Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bollum, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, speaking of movies, we are talking about a movie this week and a series. We are. We're talking about a really, really big movie that is landing on Binge this week called The Many Saints of Newark, which is a prequel story to The Sopranos, one of the greatest television shows, arguably of all time, but we'll get into that, as well as the second season of Reservation Dogs, which comes to us from FX and has started this week as well. Awesome. Let's head to Newark. When I was a kid, guys like me were brought up to follow codes. Hey, jerk off. What'd you say? What? Growing up with the family takes a toll. Who made Tony Soprano is the tagline for David Chase's return to the world of the Sopranos in the prequel film, The Many Saints of Newark. Spanning the 60s and 70s in a tumultuous time for New Jersey, the film follows a young Tony Soprano and the uncle he idolizes, Dickie Moltisanti. Ali, once again, I have to make a confession. I have not watched The Sopranos, but I have have now seen the prequel. So I am ready to get going. Well, you bring a really interesting perspective to it then, because I think part of the conversation, the chat around this film will be there's so much anticipation. And when you go back into such a beloved series, my gosh, you're going to have, you know, and we know we've got the House of the Dragon coming up soon as well, but, you know, like when you've got fans coming into something, when they um, love a character, love a universe, love a show, there's a lot riding on it. So it'd be interesting to get your non-soprano view. It's the beauty of a prequel and the beauty of House of the Dragon. So you can go in fresh. That is totally true. So, yes, if you haven't seen Sopranos, watch this film. If you have seen The Sopranos, good luck not trying to watch this film if you haven't seen it already. This did have a really limited theatrical release back in 2021 when it first came out, but it was during COVID. So in America, the film had a very limited release and then went on streaming platform HBO Max. In Australia, it did go through the theatrical system, which is why the delay, we're just getting it now. And we expect a lot of people to be diving into it this weekend as it comes onto the platform. But John, what did you think? Going in cold, it's great. And I would say you don't need any any previous knowledge to appreciate the story, understand what's going on. Even though I've not seen The Sopranos, I'm pretty sure it's hard for anyone to have gone through life without having some Sopranos knowledge. So obviously that helped. You get dumped into this amazing, fascinating world. The story is really, really interesting. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the main character in The Many Saints of Newark is this Dickie Moltisanti guy who's a fascinating character. He's not in the show at all, correct? Yeah. He's never in The Sopranos. There's a connection. There's a Montesalti cousin of Tony. Soprano who is a big part of the Sopranos and there's this reference all the time to his uncle but yeah he's not like the main story or anything in the Sopranos he's a yeah figure in Tony's life which I think helps that there's that like a decade or so buffer so it doesn't feel like you're running straight into the beginning of the Sopranos so while I'm sure there are easter eggs and references that went over my head standalone film completely watchable enjoyable but also quite sort of inspiring to, to get you into the Sopranos. The Sopranos, so, which yeah. is yeah, which is definitely 
anywhere I think this conversation will go, won't it? But I think just one thing to call out, if you've seen the trailer for this film, it is kind of sold as Tony Soprano's origin story and what made him get into being a gangster. I think your point there is really important. This is a period piece. It's set in Newark mid-60s to the early 70s. The A story here is the Newark riots, which in 1967 and what was happening in that neighbourhood and the kind of sub-story of racism. And there were some clashes between the Italian-American community and the African-American community in the suburb and which led to the right. So that's kind of the reason we've gone back into this universe. And I think when we have heard David Chase, who created it and created The Sopranos, references why he wanted to go back to this point in time. That's the kind of the main story. The second story, as you said, or the main character in this film is Dickie Montesolti's story. And Tony Soprano is the third story. I think that's probably a first way to kind of place people in this. It's not The Sopranos. The Sopranos ran over six seasons, over 86 episodes episodes you had a long long time to go into the mind of Tony Soprano which the series did so well for fans of the Sopranos there are flashback scenes that happen in the show Tony Soprano and others have flashbacks two things that actually then play out in the film and they show the scene so I think there will be fans that will absolutely love elements of this but it's not the Sopranos <laughs> should we talk about the cast quickly yes 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 because there's good. lots of people in it. <laughs> so the main character this Dickie Moltisanti character is played by Alessandro Nivola Excellently. Leslie Odom Jr. is in it. Vera Farmiga plays Livia Soprano, also excellently. John Bernthal is Johnny ah. Soprano. Corey Stoll is Junior Soprano. Ray Liotta, very big role in, in this. Yes. And if you've heard anything about this film, you've heard who is playing a young Tony Soprano, and that is Michael Gandolfini, who is James Gandolfini's son. Oh, and James Gandolfini, who of course played Tony Soprano in The Sopranos, who has also died since Sopranos finished. I think he died 2013, quite a time ago. So so you said that John Bernthal as well stars in this. Lots of shows that we have that he's in as well on Binge. He's very popular and he's busy man. He is, isn't he? At the moment, <laughs> yeah. obviously, we we talked a few podcast episodes ago about We Own the City. Good reason to go back and try that out again if you've missed that six part series from the maker of The Wire. He's in The Walking Dead, King Richard, the film. There's a few things. So shout out to him. But John, in terms of the impact of The Sopranos, we've got all 86 episodes on Binge over six seasons. This is probably a really good shout it's the middle of winter you're sitting in australia if you're sitting home looking for something to to kind of a show to get into if you haven't seen the sopranos it's a good one to add to your list it's a good co-viewing thing to watch as well it's quite heavy i don't know if you'd want to binge them all but equally there are some really funny bitingly brilliant moments in the series one or two eps a session and you'll have yeah you can settle in for a few weeks and really enjoy watching this so maybe that's some homework for you john if it's your jam do you not like gangsters or is it the genre you didn't like what didn't draw you into this series back in the day i think i probably just was slightly too young for it at the time but what i do love about these either reunions or like prequels all these things that are happening around these big shows these days it's a great excuse to dip back into it either starting with the series if you've not seen it or re-watching the series or starting with the film seeing if you like the world and then getting into it so yeah either I'm sure a lot of people haven't watched it since it ended yeah so this is a great excuse to get back into it either starting with the film or letting the, the film be the little cherry on the top at the end of it yeah so for fans of the series David Chase who created The Sopranos he was on board to to direct this film he did write it but for family reasons he wasn't able to direct he had previously been asked whether or not he would go back into the Sopranos would he go back into that world would he do another series he wanted to really make a film he had a family connection himself to Newark in this time period so I think there was a story definitely there that he wanted to sell and explore but the Sopranos it was kind of like genre defining television when it came out the ratings on on HBO premium cable networks at the time were almost as big as American network television 
despite a much smaller distribution. Like it was pop culture defining television and it, it almost set the tone of television being art or kind of being up there in the same conversation as you know, literature and theatre and, and feature films when television used to be, you know, a, a place where serious actors or directors a, didn't a go. Word. Yeah, and it <laughs> yeah. really, I mean, what it did, I mean, the, the world we now know with premium bingeable drama and these kind of iconic series that we see now on HBO, Netflix and every other stream in the world that's catching up and, and wanting to be like HBO, this set the tone. This, you know, this was so revolutionary in, in the history of television. It's on so many lists, The Sopranos is the greatest show of all time, a master masterpiece highly highly recommended I think 92% Rotten Tomatoes 9.2 IMDb and it really did hold critical acclaim throughout its run um, won many many awards and has potentially one of the most controversial final episodes or a final scene even but again no spoilers because I'm hoping our listeners go back and watch this show or discover it well I think that also speaks to like the cultural impact because I've seen the final episode of The Sopranos because of how controversial it was. So it's a series that was inescapable despite me not having watched it all. The Many Saints of Newark is streaming right now on Binge and every single episode of Sopranos is there waiting for you. And we know night after night, it's one of the most watched things on Binge. So we no doubt gonna see a lot of people come in for the film and uh, start to revisit the series as well. Created by Sterlin Harjo and Taika Waititi, Reservation Dogs made history as the first US television series produced by an all-Indigenous creative team. Winning universal acclaim for its first season and a Peabody Award, the series returns this week for a second season. These are ancient sayings from the heartbeat of Mother Earth. He who hoots with the owls at night cannot soar with the eagles in the morning. Ali, our audiences have just loved this show and it's like the perfect streaming show because it's just honestly wouldn't have existed a few years ago. So very excited that we've got season two coming back. Season one was how many? Eight episodes, a half hour comedy. So totally bingeable. Watch the first one as we come back. The season really built as well, didn't it? It tells the story of a group of friends living in a town in Oklahoma. As you said, they're all Indigenous North American and they're dealing with the death of a friend and they're dealing with that all quite differently. And there's quite a lot of Indigenous culture stuff that comes through as well. So yeah, it was, um, I found it Really interesting. It's a totally different world. It's been very, very critically acclaimed, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's almost, to me at least, feels like eight small indie films. One of the comparisons that I really liked that some critics have made to the ambition and scope and storytelling, more so than maybe thematically, is Atlanta, which is another... Mm incredibly well-received series that we also have streaming on Binge. But I think if you liked anything about Atlanta, I would say check out Reservation Dogs because they kind of exist in the same almost creative world of really interesting storytelling, trying to do something different with the medium, really sort of strong authored voices mm. in the same way that Donald Glover really is Atlanta. Sterling Hajo and um, Taika Waititi really are Reservation Dogs. And when so many shows are written by like rooms of 40 people, that, you know, there is something so so refreshing about almost like a novel on TV or something. It's such yeah. a clear creative vision. I think you're right about the indie film vibe because, yeah, it's like the journey of young people who are wanting to escape something or, or 
go to another world. They're trying to get away from this small Oklahoma town. They're trying to yeah. raise funds to get to California. And that's what I meant about how the season goes because they ultimately, you know, get closer to going to California and leaving yeah. and all the rest of it. And the coming of age story is such like a iconic film story as well. Yeah. So I'm assuming season two, we haven't seen it yet, have we? Because it's it's no. just about to drop. So, and we didn't yeah. get a preview copy. So the um kind of where the season finishes, it's like, are they going to go? What's their future? Are they going to California? So I think it'd be interesting to see where it starts. Where will we find these characters? Where will we find them in season two? And of course, Sterling Hardrick might not be a household name for some of our listeners. Taika Waititi, on the other hand, very much is. And we do have a number of his series on binge, including what we do in The Shadows, Our Flag Means Death, and now Reservation Dogs. So again, if Atlanta or anything Taika Waititi has ever done is of any interest to you, absolutely check out Reservation Dogs because it is a bit of a, a sleeper hit. It's mm. got that critical acclaim, but I feel like season two, it might might have its breakout. Pop. The show actually sort of came out of a session at Sundance where Tyker and Sterling kind of met and were able to develop mm. this idea. The other sort of historic thing about this series um, is that it's the first TV series to be entirely shot in Oklahoma, mm. which to me just seems insane. That's like, insane. I don't, like, Are you there sure? Must be, is that fake no, news? It is. That's true. No, no, okay. it's wow. true. And this sort of comes down to the, like the new voices and new mm. people that you get to see on screen for the like 10,000 shows that, that you've seen in New York and LA and London. The fact that an entire US state has never had a TV show filmed in it is just crazy. That's bananas. But at the, at the end of the day, it's teen comedy, coming of age, enjoyable comedy to get across. Yeah. So season one is streaming right now and season two starts August 4th on Binge. Things been real messed up around here. I think it's all my fault. So I want to get this straight. You got a white wizard curse, and now you need to break the curse. That bad medicine will come back on your heart. John, we're at the point in the podcast where we talk about dinner party recommendations, hidden gems, things we love in the binge catalog. Might not be brand new. They could be, but extra things you want to call out other than things that are brand new that have just dropped on binge that our listeners should discover. What have you got this week? So it's the dead of winter in Australia, and I know people just love to escape the cold. So I thought I would talk about the coldest show that we have on the platform. The coldest uh, show. The coldest. Coming the in physi- No, nope, Physically in. coldest, not like emotionally <laughs> coldest. We've talked about my love of Alone previously. Yes, we have. Um, but after, what, like 11 series of the original, they're doing their first spin-off which I'm very excited about, and that is Alone Frozen. You're not going to fight off the polar bear. It's going to eat you. Easy to get hypothermia. Oh, my feet. Easy to get frostbite. Hungry, tired, wet. It just doesn't get any worse. Alone has never done this before. So not only are you left alone to survive in the wilderness, I'm assuming you're left alone in very cold wilderness to survive. So we're in Antarctica or Alaska or something, are we? Are uh, very close. It is set on the frozen coast of Labrador, which ah, is Canada. northern Canada. It is literally freezing. Mm. There are black bears and polar bears. A normal season of Alone, the goal is to last 100 days. Mm-hmm. In Alone Frozen, the goal is to last 50 days. Wow. So the environment is so harsh that they've actually split the like winning time in half. And the other really interesting thing about this spin-off, which I think we know how many people have watched Alone and love it. Mm-hmm. So I think another sort of reason to watch this spin-off will be they're actually bringing back six of the best participants of previous seasons. So 
you know that these people are great survivalists. You know that they've either won or lasted a really long time on previous seasons, but now you get to see them do an even more extreme ah, version really, of alone. They're being tested by the climate because you know that they've got the metal to do this. Yeah. And then it's if really you can survive 100 days cool. somewhere else, what's going to happen when you're in Labrador for 50 And days? I'm assuming access to, you know, wood and fire becomes a really big theme here and, you know, yeah. avoiding bears. A really different environment, really different climate, obviously. So, yeah, I've watched a lot of Alone, but I'm really interested to see where this one goes. Awesome shout. Yeah. So it actually, this is a little bit of a tease, I guess, because it actually starts August 12th, but we've already got up what they're calling before the freeze. And it's this one hour special where it's actually looking at the preparations and like the build up to actually starting it. So awesome. And don't we have like a hundred episodes of normal alone or something? So there's plenty to get you ready before August 12th. Um, But yeah, so if you're all caught up with alone, go and watch before the freeze. And then the new season of Alone Frozen will start August 12th. Oh, wow. Well, I think lots of people will be looking forward to that. So great, good shout. John, in the same theme of it's the depths of winter in Australia, well, we're getting out. It's big. Anyway, I think we're beginning to come through. We've had the longest day or shortest day or something, haven't we? Anyway, um, I'm talking about the White Lotus, which is, was a bit of a breakout hit last winter Australian time. It's created by Mike White for HBO in America. It is a six-part comedy drama. It is very different and very unique and I loved it last year when it came out and it is the premise is the White Lotus is the name of a fictional hotel chain like a, you know, Four Seasons or something very fancy um, in Maui and it takes a bunch of pretty privileged Americans who are on holiday in Maui and it picks up, um, the story picks up with them arriving and being greeted as they arrive at the White Lotus and then over the course of their stay, someone dies. So there's a bit of a twist, but it is a biting reflection on privilege, modern society, what makes people happy, how the life you're trying to escape on holiday. There are just, yeah, so many interesting um, angles to this, but at the end of the day, I just found it a deeply engrossing story. Some great talent star in this, Jennifer Coolidge, who is brilliant and is major, major role in this, but also Sydney Sweeney, who who fans of Euphoria will know. She's been nominated this year for the Emmys for both Euphoria and White Lotus, Uh, very much um, a star on the rise. But yeah, Australia's Murray Bartlett and yeah, a whole host of other people that you'll recognise that star in this series. So, like I said, six apps, totally bingeable. Go like, lose yourself in um in Maui for a binge on a weekend if you haven't seen it. I loved it. I as say, soon, as, like as, it, soon as you said the word White Lotus, the music like started <laughs> playing in my head. Like some of the best yeah. opening credits, both in music and yeah. Let's talk about that. People tell us what you thought about it. But um. As soon as I was like White Lotus, I'm like, I've got to go watch it again. Like I would totally watch this again, even though I only watched it a year ago. I loved it. And the good news is there is a second season coming. Um, a few weeks Set in ago. a different White Lotus. That's the joy because yeah. White Lotus is just the name of resort. We are going in season two to, I think, Positano or somewhere in Italy. And fans and listeners of the podcast will know we spoke about the time traveler's wife a few weeks ago and theo james from the time traveler's wife and also aubrey plaza aubrey Pla- oh no but i was going to say theo james is also in um we talked about it oh sanditon that british period yes. so anyway he stars in the new season of white lotus jennifer coolidge is back and the sopranos michael imperoli is also in season two so a few cool people to look forward to but Whilst you wait for that, it's still a few months away, we imagine. Please watch The White Lotus if you haven't seen it. 
The goal is to disappear behind our masks as pleasant, interchangeable helpers. It's tropical kabuki. Aloha. A happy to be here. We're on our honeymoon. You're such valued guests. Welcome to the White Lotus. <laughs> This week on Skip Intro, we discussed the many scenes of Newick along with The Sopranos. Uh, We've discussed Reservation Dogs. Ali suggested that you visit The White Lotus. And I suggested you check out Alone Frozen. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Bowen, joined by Ali Herbert-Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro.